Hey folks, it's your loyal host, Joseph Noop, and as always, I'm glad you're here with me. So on this week's episode, I wanted to keep things pretty casual and relaxed, still very much recovering from GDC, and you know, the funny thing about GDC, the Game Developers Conference hosted every year in San Francisco, uh, almost a year ago now, I, uh... <laughs> I more or less confessed my love to a uh, wonderful person named Aiden Strahan, and things, fate worked out in a way that was beneficial for both of us. Uh, she, of course, now is attending school in Berkeley there in the Bay Area, and I'm still here in the Chicago area just trying to do the get the job out west kind of thing. But GDC will always have a very special place in my heart. One, because it was the uh, one of the, the really first major game conference or expo or convention I had ever gone to, and it really helped kind of kickstart my career in terms of freelancing. It gave me a few connections that really, you know, got me my first stories at Playboy and whatnot. And this was actually also Aiden's first time attending GDC. Last year, we had just kind of hung out around outside GDC while she was going through Berkeley orientation. And, uh, uh, she had an incredible experience at this year's GDC, especially for her first time attending as part of the Xbox Game Changers Scholarship Program. And I'll let her explain what that is, but I was really struck by just what a wonderful experience she had, but also some of the less than wonderful experiences she had. And I thought it was a really interesting way to illustrate how a show like GDC kind of, you know, uh, uh, handles a person like me versus the way it handles a person like her and some of the shortcomings we both experience. And don't worry, there isn't too much flirting on this show, so you won't want to be pulling your hair out or stabbing your ears. Uh, we keep things relatively professional, relatively. And uh, as the show goes on, I just want to let you all know that you know I'm trying to focus a little bit more on game developer interviews. I really want to talk to people about like you know what went into uh, behind the games that we know and love, both big and small. And I'm going to be focusing a little bit more on that. Although the 1099 will always have a place for you know, games media types, uh, I think that those, those people have just as meaningful conversations to be had about the industry and the way we kind of approach covering games and talking about games and you know letting people know what matters in the industry, covering hot topic issues. And uh, so yeah, so if you have any comments or thoughts about that, suggestions, you know, uh, whether it's guests that we should have on or topics we should be addressing that maybe I hadn't thought of before, or even just to yell at me to say, you know, hey, stop umming and awing. Uh, believe me, I hear you. So yeah, let's roll into the show. I hope you'll have fun and make sure you follow Aiden on Twitter. And here's the show. again folks and welcome back to the 1099 podcast as always i am your host joseph noop and i'm glad you're here with us and today i am very glad to have someone very near and dear to my heart uh if you couldn't tell from the uh painfully voluminous posts about each other on twitter uh but she's also an accomplished professional in her own right she attended gdc this year as part of the xbox game changers scholarship aiden strawn hi hun how are you i'm all right darling how are you i'm good uh, we probably slept for about like 12 good hours together uh, after GDC, like until like two o'clock into the evening, ate something, played Sekiro, and then like ate dinner an hour later. Just so. total vegetables yesterday. It was great. GDC, this was your first GDC, and this was my fifth. And uh, we're going to be talking a lot about the Game Developers Conference, which was in San Francisco uh, about uh, a little over a week ago by the time this will go up. And... Uh, uh, as always, a really fascinating show to kind of attend. Uh, a mix of the major companies showing up, showing off their wares, Google Stadia being announced, and a lot of indie developers uh, just showing off their very unique uh, inventions and games and uh, a lot of different sectors of the industry kind of pushing themselves and, and trying to get out there and make the business happen, the, the art of the business. Uh, but we also have a lot to talk about from our own personal perspectives. Like I said, this is my fifth GDC. This is your first and uh, I'm actually a little jealous of you. You had the like most perfect GDC that one could hope to have. Still lots of problems, and we'll get into that. But you had a damn good GDC really for did. your first time. So uh, before we jump into things, for people who don't know, uh, how did you get your start in games media, and what has been your path through it? Uh, so it was an accident, actually. Uh, <laughs> so... 
my senior year of high school, uh, my friend needed a copy editor for the school newspaper. And I was a creative writer at the time. And so I was like, you know what? Yeah, sure. Why not? So got onto the school newspaper. I uh, really enjoyed it. My friend ended up being out of school for most of the school year um, due to surgeries and whatnot. And I ended up taking over the paper by the end of the year uh, and fell in love with it. The art, the everything about it, production and design and delivery and ads and all that stuff like it it was my jam and I was like I need to do this for the rest of my life did you have an idea of what you wanted to go to school for in the first place I wanted to be a creative writer yeah yeah I wanted to like write novels and poetry and live that super meta life (laughs) (laughs) but uh you know I it was it was kind of foggy back then and I figured it out um my senior year so that happened and then I went to school at FGCU uh, and just recently graduated from there. Went to school at FGCU uh, for a degree in journalism and design. Uh, got my start in local journalism at a place called Naples Herald. You've probably never heard about that. Uh, but it's a little tiny paper and online paper rather and we had like maybe 10 people on staff. I ran the FGCU beat for a long time and I also worked on our sister site, Lee Herald. Uh, did that for about three years, got picked up by Paste Magazine as an intern, also got picked up by GameSpot as a weekend editor, and then also by IGN, right around Hurricane Irma. She says it so casually, too. <laughs> uh, I was an associate Snapchat editor for them, and, uh, yeah, just been freelancing this whole time, you know, and it's been crazy that I've been able to make a living off of it and be okay, you know, because freelancing life is hard. Mm-hmm. But I've gotten picked up by really good people, and I've loved everything that I've done ever since then. And so now I'm in grad school at UC Berkeley, um, and that's also a mistake. Uh, <laughs> but that's kind of a different discussion. And yeah, I mean, you've you've stepped away a little bit from uh, games media to yeah. go into grad school, but you still are working on some big, important uh, pieces yeah. uh, for places we won't name quite yet. I'm really uh, excited about those pieces. They should be coming out sometime in April or May. And so. it's been really fun to see you kind of branch out from uh, more standard, like here's a news hit, here's a review, here's a, a Snapchat kind of thing into longer form and like seeing you really like learn the value of like a five-hour interview uh or something like that yeah well that was also the coolest interview i've ever done in my life uh but i can't talk about that yet so (laughs) (laughs) but i mean i think it's even cooler for you because you've actually had the chance to really watch me grow up into this Mm -hmm. because we've been one friends for years but also now as partners Mm -hmm. you know it's i've also got to see you grow and blossom into your career and that's been really really neat oh so yeah, so uh, like we were saying, you attended your first GDC this year, uh, all thanks to the Xbox Game Changer Scholarship. First, tell me, like, what is what is that? Okay. Does, does Phil Spencer, like, hand you a trophy? No, he, I didn't get any trophies. I just got a GDC pass. I say that's pretty good, too. Uh- <laughs> so the Xbox Game Changer Scholarship is pretty interesting in that they really only award, award it to women in STEM. Uh, and uh, <laughs> if you look at my degrees, I'm technically not a woman in STEM. Uh, and I'm probably one of the few reporters who's ever given it to. But uh, my design minor and my master's are both considered STEM degrees uh, because multimedia, design, that's the T in, you know, in STEM technology, uh. right? A lot of people don't think about it that way. They just think you're going to art school. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Uh, but anyway, uh, they give it to 30 women every year for GDC. They just give us passes, all access passes, which is really cool. Uh, and they have a couple of exclusive events, uh, like a little mixer, and then there's the Women in Games Rally, and all of that jazz. So pretty much all it was was like, okay, yeah, you're cool. We like you. We think you're really badass. Here, here's a pass. Let's help you meet all these cool people and get you connected in the industry. And uh, it was really amazing. I- and yeah, I think uh, the the primary <laughs> event was the the uh, was it the the women game changers mixer that you went to that Josiah and I picked you up from. Yeah. Like, what was that one? So that was just an exclusive little party for us game changers uh, and Xbox executives. So I, I the funny thing about that party was is that I literally walked in and in like zero point zero 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 three eight seven seconds, Phil Spencer was right in front of me. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know we all know who Phil Spencer is. He's the guy at E three. He does all the E three stuff, the Xbox briefing right well he's a cool dude anyway so you know like immediately i meet him and then immediately i'm also meeting shannon loftus who also works with him and dave from bad robot and dave baranoff i believe uh and oh gosh what's her name um she is at 343 
Bonnie. Bonnie Ross. Yeah, Bonnie Ross. Yeah. Bonnie Ross. I met her too. And all of these just really cool, interesting people that we see around the industry all the time. Mm-hmm. And we never think like we can touch them. And we can. Yeah. They're, they're just right there. Uh, and that's kind of the purpose of the Game Changer Scholarship is that like, okay, yeah, we want to give you access to these people so you can make those connections and learn a little bit more about some powerful people in the industry, especially powerful women, mm-hmm. uh, which was super, super cool. So, And uh, tell, tell me a little bit more about like, so uh, the Game Changer Scholarship and you didn't go to GDC as a journalist in any sense nope. um and you and you did the right thing by saying like you know hey i i'm going on xbox's dollar so like i'm not going to do any like journalistic facing work so you didn't go to the show as a journalist this year uh and that's that's interesting in its own right i've i've been five times and i've always had to kind of present myself ethically fairly you know journalistically uh not play favorites of any sides um did it, did it feel like pretty freeing uh did you have like the opportunity to kind of just go around and uh do as you pleased in that aspect yes yeah. um but it was also kind of defeating in a lot of ways uh because it was weird for me as someone who works literally all the time mm-hmm. to not be working mm-hmm. uh i don't know i don't know how to handle that <laughs> telling all your professors like i'm at a conference yeah i told them back in january and i actually had one of them email me and ask me if i was okay because <laughs> she forgot and uh it was cute but um, it was really interesting to go around and like tell everybody like, yeah, you know, I'm a student, obviously, you know, I'm a graduate student, uh, but I'm also a professional and I have been for years. And I'm just not at the show as one uh, this year because I was sponsored and I don't mm-hmm. think it's necessarily right for me to be at a show on a corporate dollar to be reporting. You know, I feel like that's a huge conflict of interest, mm-hmm. um, especially now that like I do have personal relationships with Xbox. Uh, so going forward, I think it's going to be a little bit tricky for me, but I think that like, as long as I'm clear about like who I know and what my relationship is to them, that's kind of important. You know, I definitely don't want to mislead my audience in any way, but it does make it a little bit sticky for me. And I understand like why they wouldn't normally reward, um, journalists with this kind of scholarship because of those particular set of issues. Mm -hmm. So it it does, it does (laughs) kind of reflect this interesting blend of journalism and like, just industry advocacy it, it begins to blend together you have you see people like you know danny o'dwyer coming from GameSpot to work for noclip and like i'm sure danny has uh his own kind of code of ethics that he adheres to uh but he certainly works more closely now with studios and like you know look at stuff like fallout 76 you know yeah uh there, there were there there was only so deep he could go before he even he probably had to see like oh is the game shaping up the way it ought to uh but that that's that's a a far and away bad example um yeah and i think that's kind of the interesting point about long-form journalism especially like documentary stuff like what he's doing is that you have to create those personal relationships in order to get the information that you want yeah you know it's just up to you as the journalist to know when to put on the brakes and for me like getting the scholarship that's that's how i knew i needed to put on the brakes Mm -hmm. was like okay you know if i'm reporting at this show and doing my job and making money off of it is that really fair to every other journalist who's here and had to do it on their own dime you know for one but also is it really fair to my audience knowing that like i'm being like a corporate corporation paid for this Mm -hmm. for me to be here i don't think that's right yeah what did you uh, what did you think of the show overall? GDC always fills me with like a lot of uh, general positivity. Uh, yeah. Even though like now five years in, I'm super aware of like the the event's shortcomings and the very prohibitiveness of it. Uh, yeah. But what did you think overall? Oh man, so that's that's a tough question to answer because I have so many mixed feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, for the same sort of shortcomings that you and I know about, but. I mean, you personally know how hard life has been for me in the last few months. Mm-hmm. And being at the show just this week has really reinvigorated me. It's given me a lot of hope. And it's really shown me again, like, why I'm here and what I'm doing, why I'm doing what I'm doing. Uh, because, you know, you and I have talked a lot about, like, okay, and is it really worth it for me to be a part of this industry if it's not sustaining me? Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a t- totally different set of hurdles than you do. Um, because I am female presenting, um, and I don't want to necessarily say that I run into some sexist issues in the industry, but I have, you know, and (laughs) I just feel like the hurdles that I've had coming to this show haven't necessarily been erased, of course, but 
it's shown me that like, okay, if I keep kicking and screaming long enough, maybe something will happen, mm-hmm. you know, because I see these women that I absolutely adore and that I have admired for years and I finally got to spend time with them too, uh, really one-on-one and get to know them better and learn more about their hurdles and their fight. It's just really empowered me to be like, okay, you know what? I'm going to keep fighting because there's going to be someone like me who's going to run into the same things that I'm running into right now and really lose hope and belief in themselves. And they're going to need to see someone, you know, like my heroes, Mm -hmm. you know, I have, I have the choice to be that. And I think I want to be that for someone someday. So. And we, we talk about this, like this mix of positivity and negativity. And yeah, I've, I, I still remember, uh, meeting a lot of my like journalism heroes and having Charlie Hall from Polygon tell me, uh, "Hey, dude, you need to you need to go to GDC for your first like big conference." And like he wasn't wrong. It, it was it was a a very positive overall trip. Um, and you met a lot of your idols. Uh, to tell me, like you met Cecilia D'Anastasio from Kotaku. You met some other folks, as far as I'm aware. Tell yeah. me what it was like as a young writer coming into a, a place like that and was it intimidating? Was it thrilling? Like, did you, what were the most surprising things about those kind of interactions? So (laughs) this is kind of a funny story too. Um, because for those of you that don't know me, I, I fawn over Cecilia's work all the time on my Twitter. I absolutely love everything that she does. And I've been following her since even before she was at Kotaku when she was still freelancing with Vice. Uh, and there's this one piece that she wrote back in 2016 that I'm obsessed with and I recommend it to everybody. Mm -hmm. I know. And I actually used it for my entrance exam at Berkeley too. Uh, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) her writing got me to Berkeley. What can I say? Uh, that's probably a bad way to phrase it, but there's context behind that. Um, anyway, the piece is about how pedophilia, um, and video games are intertwining and how video games are preventing real pedophiles from harming real children. Hmm. It's, it's, it's a messed up story, man. It's demented. Uh, but it's also so interesting in the sense that, you know, here are these people who've never heard anybody, as far as I'm aware, at least. Um, that's how she portrays them. They've never heard anybody, but they have this aspect of them that is so culturally taboo and should be taboo, of yeah. course. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she really makes you question what's right and wrong in that story and the way that she humanizes every single one of them. Mm-hmm. And it's just, oh, it's the perfect piece of journalism. I love it. I believe the headline is Can Virtual Sex um, Prevents Pedophiles from Harming Children or something like that? Mm-hmm. Just Google like Cecilia uh, D'Anastasio and... Um, you can probably find it on her author page. She, yeah. I can only imagine. She doesn't She doesn't do quick hit stuff. She doesn't. So. She's always done like really beautiful long form things. Yeah. And, and it was 2016, right? Yeah, 2016. Yeah. So you got to hang out with her and have like I did. coffee. And I got and to get, have an hour with her and give her like lemons. So... Uh, my <laughs> my audio wave is just off the charts as as she lights up with talking about Cecilia. Oh my god! So she actually caught me off guard. I initially, when she said that she was going to GC this year, I was like, "Oh, girl, you know, let me schedule an appointment with you." Mm-hmm. Uh, and she was totally down for that. And I only thought I was going to have like maybe 15, 30 minutes with her because I knew she was really pissing. She was working the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, but on Wednesday at the women's rally, I was applying for a job actually. And I was sitting, I was tethered, my phone was charging and I was like really into it. And then a girl comes to me and, um, another woman is with her. Right. And I introduced myself to both of them and I go to shake her hand and I realized who she is. I was like, Oh my God, you're Cecilia. And I like almost burst into tears and uh, I, I admittedly, like, fangirled on her really bad, <laughs> which is the one thing I didn't want to do. That's why I scheduled an appointment Usually with her. Usually you'll advise, but it, the, the context here is a little different. You two know each other somewhat. Yeah, she knows me through Twitter because uh, I'm a giant fangirl of hers. Yeah. But uh, she caught me off guard, and I, I just remember, like, crumpling and being like, oh, my God, hi, I'm so sorry. Give me a second. You know, it's so nice to meet you. And yada, yada, and my face, I remember, was just, like, burning i was blushing so hard Hmm. and um it was only a brief discussion i think i talked to her for about five minutes and she had to run to something else uh but you know we had our appointment later in the week and um it was fantastic i was so excited uh and it was so nice to just be able to talk to her one-on-one and be so casual about it 
if I may ask, what did you talk about? Oh, anything and everything, really. Uh, so she and I do a lot of trauma-based reporting. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously, my audience doesn't really see a lot of that because I haven't really found the space to do that in games media yet. Mm-hmm. But I've worked with a lot of domestic and sexual violence survivors. I've worked with first-generation youth. I mean, I work within a lot of marginalized communities. Um, and the purpose of that really is to amplify those voices uh, because I feel like I have the empathy and the expertise really needed to work in those spaces, even though I am not necessarily the right voice to be working within them as a white person. Mm-hmm. Um, but (laughs) anyway, we talked a lot about how, uh, her riot story came to be and how she found the space to do that. And there's really no right answer, but we also talked a lot about how to approach these kinds of communities. And we talked a lot about grad school and theses and ideas and freelancing and our personal history and whatnot, which I won't go into for Mm -hmm. her privacy, of course, uh, but it was just so neat to be able to be with this person who I've followed for years, mm-hmm. you know, and admired for years <laughs> and wanted to be. She, I mean, she is the journalist that I want to be. She she does the long form writing. She does the trauma reporting. She does everything with strength. And I appreciate that about her. But I also want to have the vulnerability that Holly Green has in her writing. Mm -hmm. So I look up to both of them a lot. And I mean, Holly was my editor at one point, which was so cool. And Holly Holly is effectively (laughs) one of a couple game journalism moms that we both have. Yeah. Yeah. Holly is wonderful. Uh, If you're not following her, you absolutely should be because her writing is, one, absolutely hysterical, but also very enlightening and very vulnerable uh, and it's just it's writing that needs to be recognized i think and writing that i would love to see more of and do more of myself so for people who for younger writers out there who maybe listen to this podcast kind of looking to you know learn something from uh, people who've been around for a little while tell me what what do you think is like the smartest way to approach your idols like that and like say like hey i i want to learn from you or take something from you and have this relationship from you because it's a very special thing to Mm -hmm. have that kind of relationship without of course overstepping boundaries Mm -hmm. or like bleeding them of their time you know what what is the best way to go about you know kind of establishing those connections with your heroes Hmm. well i'd say there's a couple of things um the first one being owning your presence Mm -hmm. especially if you are a marginalized person in the industry Mm -hmm. of any sort whether you're queer you're a woman um, you're a person of color, you are a writer with disabilities, whatever that may be. Um, I feel like owning your presence is the most important thing that you can do toward any toward a relationship in the industry that you have. Mm-hmm. Um, because you don't know how... F- Am I allowed to say fuck? Yeah, go nuts. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you don't know how fucking important you are. You know, just existing in this space is really, really important. And owning that is also really important because it shows people in the future that they can also be here. It doesn't really provide access, and that's another conversation we could have. But existing here is important, and owning it is important. Um, and I think a couple of other things, too, is understanding that, like, these people, they may be your idols, and you may have a certain picture of them in your head. They're never going to live up to your expectations. No. And so don't go into these kinds of relationships having any sort of expectations, you know, respect their being, respect who they are, respect that they have a job to do. And, you know, don't, don't go into meeting someone like Cecilia, for instance, expecting her to be this absolute perfect human because she's not, she's inherently flawed, just like I am, just like you are, just like everyone else is. Right. But also don't go in expecting any favors. Like, I don't think that's the right way to handle any relationship at all. No. You know, if you really admire someone, it should be because, you know, meeting them should be because you admire them and you want them to know that. You can't let your feelings get hurt <laughs> if, like, they need to push back or, like, they need to escape from a situation, you know. Um, yeah, and, that's the uh, other thing, too. And uh, one of the things that struck me, um, I, I won't say names, but, like, our, our good friend, uh, Josiah, he, we were all together at an event and he mm. introduced himself to someone who... Uh, had been previously uh, like he he had talked with extensively uh, in his career and um, this person 
evidently like just went into a sort of defense mode uh and was like hey uh, nice to meet you and fled like just completely fled and so he was a little despondent it's rare to see josiah like super down about something but like he had known this person had interacted with this person and like the relationship between them had meant something but it was one of those like you know internet relationships Mm -hmm. and uh uh but thankfully shortly thereafter that person came back and said oh my god i am so sorry uh i didn't immediately recognize you and whenever I uh, am am at an event like this, my defenses go up super fast if I don't immediately recognize someone. So that's why I mm-hmm. kind of fled the scene. And this person then kind of made it up to him by, you know, kind of parading him around and introducing him to all the uh, people that that person was associated with. So uh, events like this can make monsters out of all of us. Mm-hmm. I, like we both like this week de- oh, yeah. dealt with like panic attacks of a sort. Yep. Um, and... And you you wouldn't think that would happen at something like GDC. Uh, oh, know, but it absolutely does, but, and it happens to everybody. And, and it does. Uh, I I had to flee like the scene of a restaurant just because like the Thunderdome noise. Don't ever go to the Tabletop Tap House, everybody. It's a jip. Uh, but, I agree. But uh, you see people like the fir- the Monday, of course. You know, everyone's like, "Whoa, so good to see you." Hugs, hugs, hugs. And by that Thursday or Friday, we are all just you know very soggy, crusty people who yes. like, please give me my space. You know, so yeah. if you want if you want to do that fangirl uh, or fanboy moment, maybe get out of the way early. Yeah, um, I would absolutely agree with that moment as well. Uh, but I think the biggest thing to remember is that creative people are generally pretty introverted we all kind of live in our heads yeah and big events like this are overwhelming because like one we get to see all the people that we love because we haven't seen them in forever right but also two we're having to deal with a lot of business things and a lot of work things and a lot of relationship issues and whatnot and drama between everybody and like you know there's a lot going on all at once and it's really hard for anyone really not mm-hmm. just creatives but especially creatives i think to juggle all of that all at once because we are so inside our heads mm-hmm. you know and in our heads we have control of everything but when it comes to things that are outside of us not not so easy and you know so speaking of things outside of our control outside of us one of the things that i really wanted to talk about today was you and i during certain uh, key points of gdc had a really different experience so like we yeah. uh, as you can imagine being partners we spent a lot of gdc together kind of meeting back up at the press room or walking around getting lunch or dinner or uh going to events together and uh this year one because of my own personal career aspirations I I will freely admit I submitted my resume to a couple of recruiters and mm. I know you did the same and we had very different experiences and Extremely. I wanted to kind of use that example as a way to illustrate how even with something like the Xbox Game Changer scholarship kind of you know boosting you up and giving you a platform there still is a very key difference between the way a guy like me experiences something like GDC and the way you might mm. So I submitted my resume to a number of major companies, and at least one of them uh, kind of treated you very differently. Extremely. And uh, my my overall experience was walk up, little to no weight, thankfully, and you know, uh, hi, I'm here to talk to someone about commu- communications positions, anything like that. Oh yeah, that guy over there, go talk to him. Okay, cool, thank you. And get to that guy, uh, and it, it generally, well, one company had a, a woman talk to me, um, but generally it felt like the guys were the, males were the, the more present force there. And those conversations were typically, uh, hey, yeah, hi, nice to meet you. Uh, here's my resume. Um, I'm glad to, you know, kind of elaborate on anything. And for the most part was given some relatively promising leads. Like, you know, hey, uh, either we don't have anything open right now, but my boss has told me uh, we're, we're keeping an eye on communication stuff for the very near future. We'll we'll put your resume in front of the right people and we'll see where we go from there. You did not have that experience. No, I did not. Um, they wouldn't even take my resume. So so tell me from step one. What so, um, you know, I saw you go off to these these different people and the different recruiters. It's like, you know what? Let me print off a couple of resumes. I'll do the same thing just to earn my shot right sure and so i go up and you know i talk to the man there's little it's no way you know the big deal and he's like oh i see you're a student you should talk to our university people it was like well i'm also professional five years yeah. you with know with credits even i don't have i mean 
didn't want to say it, but hey, hey live live that life. <laughs> I love you. I love you too. <laughs> anyway, um, but you know, I wanted to have a chance to speak to the professional um, recruiters, and it's like, all right, you know, is there a chance I could speak to both? He's like, sure, but they're probably going to refer you to over to our university people because you're still a student. I was like, all right, okay, that's fine. Um, so I wait my turn, you know, and I'm asking like, you know, who should I talk to for communications? Like, do you know, like what would be the best thing to do? Just so I have an idea of who I'm speaking with. And he's mm-hmm. like, well, I can't tell you that. I was like, okay, fine. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, get my chance to talk to the professional recruiter and um, I'm like, hi, you know, my name is Aiden. It's nice to meet you. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself? He's like, well, I'm a recruiter, so I'm here to get to know you. I'm like, okay. I asked this guy at this company, you know, how long have you been with the company? And, uh, yeah, like, oh, about six months and got like some very basic stuff, nothing yeah. more than a few seconds of time. But I wasn't even given that. But you weren't even given that. And, uh, you, you don't, to me, you don't like come across as like terribly young or like, no. like student age and like, you're a student, but you're also a damn grad school student at Berkeley, California, uh, one of the most prestigious like institutes in the world like that is it's it, the top public university in the world yes yeah and it's not like it's a you, big deal yeah you're not you're not some sophomore in like digipen no or, or uh, full sale and like what frustrated me the most about this interaction wasn't that like he referred me to someone else is that he interrupted me and I don't want to say that it, like I experienced very blatant sexist behavior at the show because nothing I experienced was super blatant but it was all very microaggressive. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of adds up to a really horrible experience. And so what happens is that, you know, after like asking him, like, who is he? Trying to get perspective on who he is and who I'm talking to. I was like, all right, my name is Aiden. I'm a graduate student uh, at UC Berkeley. And cuts me off. He's like, I'm going to pause this conversation right here and tell you to go over to our university person. I was like, well, I'm also professional. So I'd really appreciate if you could give me a chance. Yeah. You know, he's like, okay. So I tell him more about my experience. He's like, well, I do more first party stuff and more engineering. So I can't really help you. You should talk to our university person. Mm. I'm like, all right, I'll do that. Thanks. Appreciate it. And so I did my thing. And the university person was a delight. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, I'm I'm lucky that I was able to talk to both of them. Uh, but my other experience with the other recruiters um, I remember you telling me with this particular company that they had told you they were looking for PR and communications roles. And I was told that they were only looking for senior level and that I would ever be lucky if they ever opened up another uh, position in communications. <laughs> and um, it was just really frustrating to see the difference of people reacting to you as media mm-hmm. and people reacting to me as a student mm-hmm. uh, when I am normally media and I am normally a professional. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also some other experiences that we had whenever we went out with our pals. Uh, there was one in particular that really just sticks in my mind. And this happened. I tweeted about this. And there are so many other women in the industry, like Andrea Renee and <laughs> Holly Green and um, Janet Garcia. And like so many other women uh, have experienced this as well. But there are a lot of guys who like to ask women at these kinds of shows if we know what video games are. Yeah, and like to set the scene, we we met someone who generally both of us like are aware, like, oh, this is the person who did this, and uh, I, it, to yeah. to to their credit, like a loud kind of busy bar. I'm sure we're all exhausted. Yeah, but, and I'm sure it wasn't like, intentional. I I, I, int- I introduced myself. Hey, nice to meet you. Oh, cool. Thank you so much, man. And then you come into the fold, and it there is a slight change there that yeah, is really so significant. Yeah, so from my perspective, what ended up happening was, you know, we were there with our friends, introduces you, uh, they introduced me as your partner, uh, which I think was the biggest mistake in that particular situation. Mm-hmm. I got kind of ignored. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the expectation was that I was the girlfriend that was just dragged there and doesn't know anything about this world, mm-hmm. right? And that happens, but, I mean, it's not really okay to leave people intentionally out of a conversation and i felt like i was intentionally being left out of it um so i kind of stepped in at one point and i was like hey you know can you tell me more about your work i'm not familiar with who you are and what you've done uh or they did this thing yeah you pop in and they were like you did um they did this thing Mm -hmm. right i was like oh man that's awesome tell me more and the person was like you know what that is i was like yeah it's my job to know what that is. Yeah. I'm a journalist, just like he is. I do the same thing as him. 
and he spat off all the places I've worked. And I can't tell you how righteous it felt to slap that Berkeley card at him. Yeah. Oh, it felt so good. <laughs> it felt so good because that's one of those things that's like, yeah, I'm I am a female presenting person that actually has some semblance of power, and you've just offended the shit out of me. You know. Yeah. And we left after that because I I'm not going to tolerate that bullshit for one. No. Um, and, and nobody it, should. And it was really interesting to see, like, uh, people people love and know uh, Andrea Renee and uh, people have followed Holly Green's work. And pretty quickly, you had uh, a lot of your female oh, co- yeah. cohorts saying, sorry, we should have really, like, given you a heads up that, like, this is a thing that happens constantly. Uh, yeah. Just, like, commiserating with you. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, can we not? Because that that in itself is a very sexist societal behavior, and we see that all the time. And maybe there's a different way that I could have handled it. Maybe there was a better way I could have dealt with it instead of just like, oh, yeah, I'm professional too. Here's all my credentials, asshole. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe I could have handled it like, oh, you know, do you always talk to people that you think are girlfriends like that? Mm -hmm. You know, (laughs) (laughs) because that's bullshit. Um, Maybe I should have called them out. I don't know. But... I handled it the way that I handled it, and I think it was tactful, and I hope they don't hate me, even though they're an asshole to me. Maybe they, maybe I want them to hate me. <laughs> well, let's let's switch gears to kind of end on a, a more positive or at least, you know, more more progressive note here. Being a, a young woman at an event like this is a unique, special thing. It is. Um, it is not always the easiest thing, as we've just kind of nope. run over. Uh, for For young women writers who are out there, uh, thinking about going to an event like GDC over something else, you know, what 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 are the positives of an event like this, and what would you tell them, like advice wise? Mm, that's a loaded question. To surviving question. this industry, no. that's that's yeah. a loaded question because I don't have the right answer to that. Okay. Um, I would say go into the show with a very thick skin. Sure. Be prepared for that kind of behavior. Um, make sure that you're going with a friend to keep yourself safe mm-hmm. and also to decompress with because you are going to need it. Mm-hmm. You are going to need it so, so bad and you don't even know it mm-hmm. uh, because there are so many people and there are so many experiences to be had. And, you know, it's just it's just really, really overwhelming. So having someone to come back to at the end of the day mm-hmm. and be like, hey, let's go over what happened today. Let's talk about the good things and the bad things and if you notice something, like if your friend notices something that was really shitty that happened to you, they can point it out to you kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And you can process that feeling together. Um, and also San Francisco is not a very safe place for a young woman to be alone. Um, I will openly admit that as a young woman who lives in San Francisco. Uh, <laughs> the Bay Area. Yeah. The Bay Area. Yeah. I live on the East Bay. Um, so I don't go in the city very much. But even in the East Bay, it's not very it's safe. It's not great. Yeah. Um, but... You know, the other thing I would say is to be prepared for the culture of San Francisco mm-hmm. um, and the insurmountable amount of wealth inequality um, and the discrimination that happens. Uh, there was one particular night that we were out with a pal of ours and there was a homeless man, a very vulnerable person um, at this store that we were at. And he's like, hey, I only have a dollar fifty. I don't have the 50 cents to cover this $2 bottle of water. Is it okay? Mm-hmm. And one of the co-worker, um, co-workers there was like, yeah, it's fine. We got you. Don't worry about it. And the other guy, as he's checking him out, was like, go get a $1 bottle of uh, soda. soda. Yeah, that's all you can afford. Just Which go get the soda. the complete antithesis of what Well, yeah, means, you so. know, right? And, like, water is, should be a human right. We all need water. And you see this vulnerable person who is openly admitting that they need help, mm-hmm. asking for it. Mm-hmm. And they're being refused it you know and i didn't let that fly i paid it forward but that's something that i think slips under our noses so much when we're at places like this and we're having such a good time is that we're so focused on what's happening with us that we're not seeing the discrimination of the people who are around us who Mm. really need our help and i would say to be very very prepared for that Mm. um because there are points where you are going to need to step in to protect someone and that, that all goes back to, like, the, the <laughs> prohibitiveness of uh, attending GDC, which yeah. is, if you want an all-access pass to GDC, it's something like $2,000. If you want, like, one of the track-specific things, like you're an audio composer or you're a programmer or a level designer or something like that, it's going to, like, probably run you about $1,000. And that's before you even talk about uh, San Francisco hotels mm-hmm. or Airbnbs. And travel, they hike transit, the prices food. up. And they do. They, they really do. And uh, just last week, uh, we talked to Sarah L. Malle, 
the uh, co-founder of GameDev.World and also the voice actress for uh, the freelancer in Anthem, uh, talking about making a more inclusive event like this. And uh, it always strikes me, yeah, there, there's always a certain level of uh, self-inflicted blindness during an event mm-hmm. like GDC. And that's not, nece- yes. that's not necessarily GDC's fault. And it's not necessarily but, anyone but, else's but, but fault it either. Is, but it is indicative of like, you know, here's the place where the biggest industry show has chosen to, you know, host itself uh, when you could choose a lot of different other other venues. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that's why something like GameDev.World uh, seems really important because they're translating a global game conference into like 80 languages. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be relatively affordable to to view all of this. And uh, you don't have to worry about any of the logistics mm-hmm. of, of attending a show. Yes, you'll miss out on some of the like natural person-to-person connections you might make. But I think that they're working on some workarounds for that. Yeah, which I think is super cool. And that's something that we should all be supporting. Yeah. And I would say the one other thing to really be aware of is that you are still in a male-dominated space. Sure. And, like, the most, like, eye-opening aspect of that in my particular experience, because I did spend so much time with other women mm-hmm. um, at the show, was because I was in that space where I could. Mm-hmm. Um, there was another woman in the industry who works fairly closely to you, as far as I'm aware, right? Really closely to me? Yeah. Well, not necessarily closely to you, but knows you. Um, And she had said that I was the first woman in the entire week that she had spoken to. Yeah. You know, that's five days without speaking to another woman. I I remember this person, yeah, now, and she said, like, you were the first non-PR woman she had talked to. Yeah. Yeah. Which is crazy to me. You know? Like, (laughs) I... That was hilarious in its own right because it was like two people had found an oasis in each other. Yes. You know? It was great and it was awful at the same time because I think that says so much about yeah. the show and who's there and who's representing it. And and we can't discredit the, you know, if you attend a show like GDC, do not be afraid to step away and decompress for a oh, bit. Oh, yeah. Even if it's just like the Metreon food court, which is in and of itself is a little stressful. Also uh, an anxiety Or attack. like the Yerba Buena Garden. Um, <laughs> the... the, the opportunity to just step away from the show and say like hey i need a half hour to myself or else i will never actually do anything productive here mm-hmm. is is completely valid mm-hmm. uh but yeah anything else to kind of advice wise or just thoughts and as far as your experience with gdc actually here let's what did what did we play together uh at gdc that really oh, stuck with us or what did you just play yourself yeah you had so a few really good interesting had, experiences yeah. um the, my biggest one was the book ritual and um, this is probably going to make a lot of you cringe, especially if you love books. Um, but former it's... librarian here, yeah, it did a little for me, but I understood it. Yeah, so it's a it's a book. It's a book. It's in a book. <laughs> it's a game about shredding books, and it's about transforming grief and loss and letting go of those feelings. And so it takes you through. You grab a book, you know, any book you want. It's fine. Uh, and it'll take you through a couple of writing prompts and you write in the book, you write your feelings, you write your experiences of grief and loss, right? And you can either choose to shred those pages or you can shred another page or you can cut up another page or you can do blackout poetry or things like that, right? And then it takes you through like personality. And so you make a face for the book. You give it eyes and a mouth and arms and legs Hmm. and you give it life. And then you go through the shredding portion again and you go through the writing portion again. And it's it's a lot like art therapy in the sense that you are projecting your feelings out, making them tactile and seeing them, right? And you're finding a way to process those feelings, which I thought was the coolest thing in the world uh, because I'm a huge fan of art therapy. It's really worked for me in the past. Um, but what's the other one? Um, book ritual. I really loved After Hour. Oh, boy. Um, that one made me cry. Yeah. Really, really hard. Um, so After Hour was made, I believe, by three or four different women. It was an IGF award winner mm-hmm. uh, for Best Student Game. And it's a depiction of borderline personality disorder uh, after sexual violence. And it's very short. It's more you're kind of watching it rather than interacting with it kind of thing. And I actually had somebody like come up to me in the middle of my demo and be like, are you actually doing anything? Or are you just sitting here and crying? Wow. Yeah. It was just some dude, I think, who wanted to play the demo. Um, it was right at the end of the show, too. I was like, mm, you know. Bro, if you're <laughs> waiting till now, come on. Man. Yeah, right? 
I mean, and I, I was crying. I was crying my eyes out, you know, because it's, it's so personal to me. It's the work that I do. Mm-hmm. And I feel it. I feel it so much. And um, I remember going after a demo and hugging one of the devs and like almost sobbing into her shoulder. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's how impactful it was to me. And I see why it won. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's a very short, simple experience, but it's one that really hits you hard. And uh, I think they had a really important message about it as well. Mm-hmm. So if you have a chance to check out After Hour, you absolutely should. And then ones that we played together were really fun. Cat Quest 2. 2. Oh, boy. Now I... it has dogs, so I can play it. Yes, but it's a local only, which I'm kind of sad about since we're long distance. Yeah. Um, and then Cake Bash was cute. Yeah, that was I cute. really enjoyed that one. Mm. oh one that we didn't play together but i loved the forgotten city yeah so the guy who made the forgotten city uh mod for skyrim is making a standalone game too and it's definitely not like skyrim (laughs) it's very more like very much more like oblivion Mm -hmm. uh in terms of its aesthetics and well not necessarily its aesthetics its aesthetics are probably more skyrim like it has it has the like (laughs) weird animations and yeah the animations uh, of, of skyrim uh where like everyone's face it's actually looks more like oblivion ass. yeah yeah a little bit more oblivion. yeah that was definitely more oblivion um but the environmental aspects and the visuals are just absolutely Absol- and apparently it's stunning still, it's still just him it's, yeah it's only him so like did he do all this environmental art i'm like i'm gate i'm gawking at like the, it's gorgeous the places he's made and maybe a little bit of it's like asset reusage but like still holy crap i know right uh, it's, gorgeous it's absolutely beautiful far. and the yeah. concept is pretty similar to the dlc so it's going to be familiar to you if you've played the dlc or not the dlc rather the mod it's it, like and for those who don't know it's generally like uh, this person stumbles upon a, a literal like forgotten city where everyone is frozen in time mm-hmm. and the story as follows is someone broke some sort of law uh, the in this city yeah and uh what was it don't kill someone or something like that i think the sins of one will be suffered by the many or yeah. something like that and so you're, you basically have to warp through time to discover like who broke this law? Why? And like, can you Prevent can, can you do anything about this? Yeah. yeah. And just a real fascinating like, uh, I remember watching the Skyrim mod in action and being like, you're familiar with all the 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 character models in a game like Skyrim. So like, seeing it put in a much more science fictiony uh, mystery element, you're like, whoa, okay, this yeah. is creepy. It was really neat. I really really enjoyed that demo. That demo was great. And then I also really loved um, Dead End Job, which is a top-down shooter that's really inspired by, like, 90s cartoons. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was fun. It's very ghostbuster <laughs> I played uh, Raji, <laughs> which is this interesting, like, top-down, sort of sort of isometri- isometric, but not really, like, an RPG. It's more of a kind of God of War-style action game. Um, it's in this, like, it's all set in India, and you play a young Indian woman, and uh kind of a fairly typical setup of where you're trying to like retrieve your brother from a villain uh but like everything is just bathed in indian culture and iconography um your villains are pulled right out of indian folklore these kind of mountainous trolls um some of the magic seems to kind of be pulled from uh indian iconography and uh it was a really it was a really simple and straightforward kind of demo mostly focused on combat and whatnot but i'm very curious to see where that goes because like how often do you get to see that side of mm-hmm. the world kind of reflected in a, in a really good action game of all things? Um, we also, I saw After Party, uh, the new game yes, from the After developers Party is of Night, at Night School who did Oxenfree. And After Party is my jam because, like, here's this really beautiful kind of 2.5D uh, narrative, narrative adventure game where you are trying to drink the devil under the table so you can get back to Earth. Yeah, you that one was right? fun. Yeah. I really enjoyed that. So Alex and I... Uh, Our good buddy, Alex Shea. Yeah. He's always on Twitter. He's in everybody's feed. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Hi, Alex. But um, he and I popped on that demo probably halfway through. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was it was cute. It was fun. It was interesting and funny. Uh, so I think that the full game is going to be even better. And I'm so excited to see what it comes of it. Um, there is one that I am kind of having some mixed feelings on. Okay. And I think Holly is actually going to be writing a story on this one, so I don't want to say too much. Um, but it's called Consume Me. Mm-hmm. And it's very, like, slice-of-life anime, which is totally my jam, right? Pixel art. It's cute. It's pink. There's Egg Boy. Uh, 
<laughs> not my egg boy, though. Um, her cat. <laughs> he's not my cat. He's my landlord's cat. He's my cat by association. He's her cat. <laughs> anyway, um, it's very much about like being a young woman and body image. And I feel like it has a lot of potential to talk about body image in a really positive way. Mm-hmm. But in its current form, it's not so great. Um, it allows you to skip lunch and it obsesses over calories and it's just very, it seems like something that could be really, really triggering to someone who's dealt with any Mm -hmm. sort of body dysmorphia or, um, body image issues or eating disorders. It seems really dangerous. I wanted to ask, like, did the developers, uh, did, did you meet them at all? No, I didn't have a chance. Because I wondered if they if they have publicly stated anything of, like, if they have dealt with similar struggles. Uh, yeah. Which, which would lend a little bit more credibility, but doesn't mean that they can't mess it up still. Yeah, you know? right. Um, and I think it's one thing to talk about those kinds of issues from that perspective. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really powerful. Mm-hmm. You know, just in the same ways that After Hour talked about borderline personality uh in the way that it did but it also came with a trigger warning you know whereas this game consume me didn't come with a trigger warning at all and so i think that's a really important thing that we need to be focusing on on games in the future is providing trigger warnings when it comes to these kinds of issues that are really sensitive and that are really hurtful and can be very dangerous to certain parts of the population and I also played Autica, the uh, new kind of VR rhythm action game from the folks over at Harmonix. It's actually like only like a five or six man team, uh, strangely enough. Really? Uh, yeah. And uh, uh, if you haven't seen it in action, think Beat Saber, but with guns and uh, uh, you are, it's a, it's a little more involved than Beat Saber, I think. Beat Saber, you know, is more like standard kind of DDR or guitar hero kind of things where you left, right, up, down, slice it this way and that way. Autica... You've got to time it right, uh, like kind of making gunshots up in the sky uh, at the uh, right angle. Uh, They are different variations on all of that. It kind of, in a sense, feels like they're embracing remix culture in a way because the more successful you are at the song, the more it kind of grows different than the actual like baseline song. They just added uh, Pop Stars by KDA, the League of Legends K-pop song. Uh, For the five people who haven't heard of that, please go check it out. And It's a banger. it It was real interesting to hear them kind of remix a song in a way there there are certain segments of the game where like you have to trace a giant line of uh uh notes to hit and it sounds like a double like a metal band double bass drum rolling over this k-pop song so in any case really super interesting aiden uh any last thoughts before we dive out here no i think we think we covered everything all right well folks every monday you can find a new episode of the 1099 thank you for embracing my uh hectic life uh talking about stuff over at gdc it was a hell of a week and i really enjoyed it uh panic attacks aside i'm gonna try and see if i can make lots more interesting talks happen from all the wonderful people i met there and all the connections i made and i'm really glad that if you're you know still listening to the show i'm glad that you're sticking with me and you believe in kind of the direction we've been taking so thank you so much we'll see you next monday and as always follow us on twitter aiden where can they follow you on twitter at a straw with two w's so a-s-t-r-a-w-w you heard it folks (laughs) ww Oh,